Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. Ron is running around somewhere in Europe, but we should thank him for helping out tremendously with the script. And I'm Michael Squires, the investigative editor and former Gaggle host. In today's episode, we're talking with Vice President Mike Pence, who was in Arizona to urge support for Martha McSally. Yvonne asked him about the widening impeachment inquiry, Trump's efforts to pressure the Ukraine president for damaging information on Joe Biden and his son. We should note that there is no evidence of wrongdoing by either Biden. And of course, they also talked about the Senate race. Here's what Pence had to say. Great to meet you, Yvonne. Thank you. Thanks for taking time. Thanks for joining the gaggle. Let's talk a little bit uh, first off about what brought you here, the Senate race. Martha McSally lost her 2018 race. What makes you think 2020 is going to be different? Well, Senator Martha McSally has done an incredible job representing Arizona, and she has the full endorsement and support of President Donald Trump and myself and our entire team. Uh, I, I worked with Martha when she was a member of the House of Representatives, where I also serve, but to see the difference that she's made for our armed forces, the difference that she's made for jobs and opportunity here in the, in the state of Arizona that's a booming economy, I think all gives us a great story to tell. I, I, I truly believe that in the days ahead, uh, as we bring our campaign back to Arizona, uh, that uh, you're going to see the, the Trump-Pence team win the day again in Arizona, and I think we're going to see Senator Martha McSally elected for six more years in the United States Senate. The number of entries by illegal immigrants has dropped markedly after the president negotiated uh, new policies with Mexico. Does that take away some of the urgency for a border wall? Well, we really believe everything that President Trump has been doing to secure our borders and end the crisis uh, at our southern border has made a difference. We're truly grateful to Mexico for taking unprecedented steps to secure their southern border and our southern border. There are thousands of Mexican National Guard now securing their border, and they're working with the United States in new and renewed ways. But we believe by providing additional support to Customs and Border Protection and by building a wall. Uh, Literally, we'll see hundreds of miles of that wall built here uh, in the next 12 months. And we believe the combination of all of those things, as well as continuing to call on Congress, to close the loopholes that human traffickers use to entice vulnerable families to take the long and dangerous journey north are all having a are all coming together and and represent the solution going forward but we're encouraged by the progress that we've made to see more than a 60 percent drop uh, in the number of uh, apprehensions at our southern border in the last three months is is a credit uh, to the president's strong stand it's a credit to our Customs and Border Protection, uh, but it's also a credit to our partners in Mexico who are working with us as never before to help us secure our border and ultimately secure theirs. Given the reporting by the Washington Post, we have to ask, did you knowingly participate in a campaign to pressure Ukraine to get involved in any matters involving Joe Biden and his son? Well, as President Zelensky of Ukraine has said, uh, he felt no pressure in the call that President Trump and he had And I can assure you there was no pressure in the meeting that we had when I met with President Zelensky in Poland. We focused entirely uh, on President Trump's concern for a lack of European support for Ukraine 
and the need to make sure that as we invest hundreds of millions of U.S. tax dollars in Ukraine's security, uh, that, uh, that Ukraine would be addressing issues of corruption in, in new and in renewed ways. The good news is President Zelensky won a historic election on an anti-corruption message. And in fact, as he informed me when we met about a month ago in Poland, uh, he won a massive uh, majority in their parliament and was already moving hundreds of bills and reforms to bring about real change and an end to an era of corruption in Ukraine. Talking with him about those issues, focusing on the need for more European support, focusing on the need to see Ukraine bring about corruption reforms was all of our focus. And, uh, and when the, I informed the president of the progress that we we're making on all of those fronts, uh, we were pleased to provide all of the funding of foreign aid uh, to the Ukraine. The United States stands with the people of Ukraine. Uh, ever since the, the Russian incursion that took Crimea and has fostered now years of war in the Donbass area uh, of Ukraine, we'll continue to stand with them for their territorial integrity and sovereignty. But we will always put the interest of America's taxpayers first. We'll always stand for uh, and demand that our allies in Europe do their part. Uh, and we'll also continue to support efforts by President Zelensky to end corruption uh, in Ukraine. What do you say to voters who are troubled that the president uh, has asked foreign leaders to investigate a domestic political foe? In 2016, the American people elected President Trump and I for many reasons. To get the economy moving again, to rebuild our military, but they also elected us to drain the swamp. And I think the American people have a right to know if someone who held the second highest office in the land was involved in corrupt activities, either in China or in Ukraine. I mean, the simple fact that, that my predecessor as vice president of the United States had a son who was being paid $50,000 a month on the board of an energy company in Ukraine while the vice president was overseeing Ukraine policy for the Obama administration uh, it represents an issue the American people are entitled to know more about and to get to the bottom of and to get to the facts of. I mean, the, the reality is the reality is the American people have a right to know. And we're uh, you're going to you're going to continue to hear this president continue to call on that the truth come out. People understand what was going on. But in the midst of all of that, um, we're going to continue to work in every every way we can. Uh, to change Washington, D.C., to, to practice the kind of, of, of transparency and, and new thinking that's rebuilt our military, revived our economy, restored the constitutional foundation of our courts, and really has, has America standing tall uh, at home and abroad again. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Squires, what did you make of the vice president's comments defending Trump and kind of explaining for the first time really his participation or lack of participation in this? I mean, what what is what does this all mean? Well, if we've learned anything about the people in Trump world, uh, both in and out of the administration, that there's really no tolerance for any daylight between President Trump and anybody in his administration. Once there's daylight you're pretty much gone. We saw that with Jeff Sessions. We saw that with John Bolton. 
And that's especially relevant, uh, relevant with Secret Secretary of State Pompeo because they were sort of seen as rivals, but Bolton was sort of at odds with the president, and so he found himself on the outs. Um, I think of um, a New Yorker piece I read recently where, where there was uh, an ambassador quoted saying that Pompeo was a, a heat-seeking missile for Trump's ass. So, I mean, basically underscoring the... Uh, the point that you know you have to be really on the same page with him. So it's the same thing with with Vice President here. Um, you know, Mike Pence is clearly uh, carrying water. And if you'll recall, during the campaign when the Inside Edition tape came out and those remarks, I mean, uh, the reporting around that showed that Mike Pence was horrified by them, was ready to quit the ticket. Or and, and some people from the Republican National Committee were actually turning to him and asking him if they could push Trump out, if he would be the nominee. And that, of course, got back to Trump. So I think uh, this whole daylight, no daylight issue is even more important for Mike Pence. So what does it have to do with him being in Phoenix? Well, it's the same thing for McSally, right? It's the entire party. Um, uh, so, you know, McSally cannot afford to really have much daylight between her and and the president and anyone else in the race. Yeah, I think it's that's going to be the issue to watch heading into 2020. I mean, she has a, what, 96% rating uh, by 538 when it comes to siding with Trump on the big votes that matter. Not that there have been really too many of them. But, uh, you know, I would expect her to run a campaign really similar to the one that she ran in 18 and uh, lost. You know, I, I I think it's clear from the vice president's remarks that they're going to be coming in and out of the state uh, until they're going to be coming in and out of the state through November of 2020, trying to help bolster her chances. Does that hurt? Does that help? Remains to be seen. It's clear that, you know, they are on the ground trying to rustle up as many, you know, voters as they can, create new voters among people maybe in the suburbs and rural Arizona who for the last couple of cycles maybe haven't been motivated to get off the couches. But if things go in 2020 the way they went in 18 and 16, I think that could spell trouble. Trump only won by what, 3.5 percentage points. Right. Well, I think you would see in with past presidents where members of his party could put some distance. They say, oh, you know, of course, we're in the same party, but I don't agree with the president on everything, you know, like, you know, whether it's Obamacare or whatever. If you're in a centrist district, I think you'd seen Tom O'Halloran sort of uh, play that card from time to time as, you know, as far as not going along with the Democrats. But when it comes to McSally, she's not she doesn't have that luxury, whether it's hurts her or helps her. She's all in. She's going to be all Trump. So um, I think when you see Mike Pence here saying things like he did about the impeachment, uh, it'll be interesting to see. McSally's not said a lot about that, but I don't know that she can afford to say anything, but she's fully behind the president as far as uh, it goes with her own party. Yeah, I think the one thing she did say is that this is going to, when it came at least to the impeachment inquiry, that this is going to end up backfiring on Democrats. And she took a more political route instead of kind of viewing this through the lens of our government institutions and maybe right and wrong. Well, and that was a lesson that that, that uh, Democrats took from the Clinton impeachment, which of course it did. I mean, Republicans thought they were going to rout uh, in the in the midterm after they impeached Clinton, and it wasn't the case. It went the other way. 
Of course, the allegations were much different. I mean, oral sex in the Oval Office versus pressuring of foreign foreign governments, and not just Ukraine, others uh, are alleged, and uh, to interfere in a U.S. election, that's quite a different matter. Well, that's it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. I'm at MG Squires. Today's episode was edited and produced by Marisa Dominguez with oversight from John Adams. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.